Welcome to the Windy City Bender Podcast with your hosts, Noli, Boatsy, Jero, and Tanner. What is happening, guys? Welcome to episode 78 of the Windy City Bender Podcast. Um, it's a little bit different today. Um, I'm running solo. Um, life happens and, uh, you know, the boys are busy. So instead of uh, missing out on an episode, we wanted to make sure we still get one out for you. So um, be gentle on... Uh, be gentle on me and uh just know that we will be back at full strength for uh for the next episode um we do we are joined today by former chicago blackhawk stanley cup champion brent sopel he sat down called in with me and tanner a couple weeks ago um had a real good interesting conversation with him talked a little bit about his time in chicago um uh, talked about his time in the k and uh, a little bit about his uh, his foundation. So uh, we'll get into that a little, in a little bit. Um, but you know, first, let's talk a little Chicago Blackhawk hockey. Uh, and what felt like was you know another off season between games. Um, they last played on Friday, uh, two Fridays ago, against the Flyers. Um, so they kicked off their home stand, which they play seven of their next eight games at home. Um, this past Thursday against the desperate San Jose Sharks, who came in 0-4. Um, yeah, and you kind of what you expected from the Shark team, you know, you thought that they were going to come and buzz in a little bit, and, you know, they did. Um, definitely not to the level we thought they might. Um, it definitely seemed like the Hawks were at the upper hand this to start this game. Um, but you know, this was going to be a different look, look shark than what you saw their force four games, you know, Nylander or Evander Kane was suspended for the first three games of the seasons due to the abuse official suspension. Um, they brought back Patrick Marlowe on a one year, $700,000 deal. Um, you wasn't really sure what you're going to get from that, um, you know, coming from an older guy. Um, but, you know, he was always a leader on that team, and the boys seem to, you know, get going when he comes on the ice. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that game really kind of kicked off, you know. Um, Dominic Kubelik gets his first career uh, NHL goal, and uh, let me tell you, that line of Saad Kubelik and Camp, boy, was that line buzzing? That team, that line for that first period, was hands down the best thing about the Blackhawks that game. Um, they just were always on top of the puck. Um, I feel like they were always pressuring, always having good scoring opportunities. Um, set up Kubalik for his his first goal, and let me tell you, that kid is going to be so damn good. Um, the fact that uh, we got him so cheap from the LA Kings, um, God, he's going to be able to do a lot, and hopefully he'll um, see his role expand a little bit as the season goes on. Um, I'd love to see him on that penalty or power play unit, that first unit. Um, you know, be our little version of Alex Ovechkin, you know, because that kid's got a fucking rocket. Um, he ended up having uh, one goal, six shots on net, and five hits throughout the game. Um, and that was all I think, at least the shots on goal, I believe that was all the first period. Um, after that, he lines kind of got shuffled a little bit. Um, but you know, that was one, I, I kind of questioned that move. Um, I understand shaking up lines yet a bit, but taking side Kublik and camp away from each other was, was a questionable move. Um, 
as we kind of like suspected, you know, trying to figure out what um, what else Nylander we're going to have. Um, Nylander dropped down and Kubelik got moved up to that top line, um, which good for that kid. Like I said, his kid's going to be so good and he's going to get the opportunity, you know, to show what he can do and, you know, give him some top line minutes. Um, but yeah, so starting off that game too with Nylander up on that top line, um, he just he just wasn't producing the way I thought he was going to. Um, you know, he had a great, great start. Um, during the preseason, you know, he got his first goal as a Hawk um, in the game against the Flyers. But even that game, you kind of saw his role dim- diminish a little bit from that top line. Um, at one point, he was playing on the fourth line um, on Thursday. Um, he finished uh, minus two, had one shot on goal, one block, one giveaway, and one takeaway. Um, so you got to kind of wonder um, are we getting better? Is this the real Nylander? Is the preseason Nylander the real one? Um, I know it's too early to tell, um, but, you know, we did get a little bit of a hint um, that would happen on the game on Saturday against the Jets, but uh, we'll get into that when we uh, finish up the Sharks talk here. Um, Some other things I saw from that game, the defense, man, what the fuck is going on? Um, I don't know what system uh, Colleton is trying to uh, put in place for this defense, but you know what, they need to really simplify it a little bit more. Um, you kind of just by watching, you have no, these D-men look like they have no idea where they're supposed to be, who they're supposed to be covering. Um, your top two defensemen, and I say that in air quotes, Duncan Keith and Siebes, I don't think I've seen them start off so bad. This They just are truly showing that they are digressing and, I just, I just don't understand. It sucks because of those contracts. Because if any other player, you know, they would get the health bomb, they would be sitting down and watching from the press spots. But I don't think that they're going to be able to. I don't think Bowman will allow that to happen. Um, if that's if that's even a thought in Calden's mind. Um, but there's just a couple plays out there that it's like they just they need to figure out what they're doing. Like it's it's simple basic hockey one on one that they're letting up. Um, Marlowe had his two goals that game. His second one was him driving to the net through the crease. I believe it was right behind Brent Seabrook. Seabs just let him go right through, and he had a nice little tap-in. Um, I believe that was a tying goal. Yeah, so that was that was a goal made it 4-4. Um, and then the game-winning goal for um, Barclay Goodrow, um, Thornton's coming behind them with the puck. Every single person. No, I'm sorry. I'm getting games confused. <laughs> Goodrow is still. He is wide open on that ice. Wide open. Nobody even looking at him. Thornton throws the puck into the slot. And he's able to put it away. Um, to give the Sharks the 5-4 lead. Which. Even more pathetic. Uh, not pathetic. But, you know, it kind of sucks to be that team. That was the first time this season the San Jose Sharks had a lead. 5-4 in game five in the third period um, at the 447 mark of the third period. Man, if that's not like old school Blackhawk hockey right there, I don't know what is. Um, But, you know, then you got a couple other question marks that I have. And I'm sure I'm going to get ripped to shreds because I'm going to probably just not speak for obviously everybody on the show. But you know what? I'm here by myself. I'm doing it. I'm going to say it. 
I'm still not impressed with Crawford. I think that he is not the player or the goalie that he he once was. I know it's early. I know there's been a bunch of goals that have just been just been bad luck. You know, there's the one from against Philly, Cuckoo bouncing off of him. Um, Brett Burns had a goal today that bounced right off of um, uh, Murphy's glove that bounced right in. But at the same time, he's let up. So he's let up nine goals on 70 shots. Right now, he's looking at an 87, uh, 875 save percentage, um, which is about a 4.62 goals against average. I'm not putting all this blame on Crow. I definitely won't. I know famous lines for this show is that, you know, goalies are relevant. We blame the goalie, blah, 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 blah. This isn't all on Crow. A couple of these goals, yes, he needs to have their soft goals. But at the same time, freak freak accident goals like bouncing off your own player. I mean, there's nothing you're going to do on that. Um, but, and if this defense stepped up and, you know, played the way they're supposed to play, I have a feeling some of those soft goals don't happen. Um, you have this team kind of just running with their – looks like their head – like chicken with their head cut off in the defensive zone. I really just don't understand if it's just these guys just aren't buying into the system, if Colleton over, is overcomplicating what they, he wants them to do. Um, and I think that's something that really needs to be looked at. Uh, but some good – good that happened that game too though Shazi is happy to be back in Chicago he had two goals that game he he threw his body around he really showed that she kind of showed what we we're missing and I know I wasn't a big fan of that move when we brought him back but and you know I'm not not saying that I'm a huge fan of it now but he definitely put something into our lineup that we were we were truly missing the past couple of years since he was gone. But with that being said, when you see the good of Andrew Shaw with those throwing his body around, um, you know, scoring goals, getting in the front of the crease, just being that mutt, you also get the bad where he takes a dumb penalty that doesn't need to be uh, taken where he cross-checks Dylan in the back and center ice. The play is nowhere to be seen. Um, it's a stupid penalty. I understand why he does it. Um, a couple, I want to say the shift before or a little bit earlier, Dylan took a nice run at Kane um, and kind of got him high, which here's my issue with that Kane hit. Yes, it was a cheap shot, but what blew my mind was that not one Blackhawk on the ice came to his defense. You have your top player, your leading guy who's going to be your leading goal scorer, one of the best players in this game. He gets hit hard, and the four other guys on the team don't even do anything about it. It's like, why are we playing? I mean, you got the goon grinder game mentality is out, coming out of this game. But there should still be somebody that steps up and, you know, hits Dylan back, gets in his face, say something. There's no reason for Shaw to be taking a penalty up to two minutes after the fact of that happened because he wasn't on the ice for that. Somebody needs to, you know, really step in and, you know, stand up for your for your star players. That's what I one of the things I truly miss about um, old hockey is that you weren't taking these free runs at these players, and if you took a run at them, boom, you had a guy on top of you, and you had to answer the bell. 
I'm not saying you have to drop the guy. I'm not saying you have to fight the guy. You need to get in his face though and let him know that you're not going to fucking pull that shit. Um, man, sorry, I gotta admit this is really fucking weird. I'm doing this by myself, but you know, let's keep it going. Um, so yeah, so the Hawks end up falling five four to the Sharks in that game. Um, so to start the season zero and two. Um, short day rest. They had the Winnipeg Jets coming in town on Saturday, which. You know, despite what we all thought coming into the year, um, with all the question marks they had on their back end, this team is not doing too bad. Um, they're coming in with a three and two record. Um, one of the question marks we had too was Patrick Line. What kind of player is he going to be? He came in on a five point goal point streak. He is looking like the player that he was when he was drafted. Definitely kind of a taking the whole, you know, prove me wrong type of contract year and definitely showing that, hey, I can still do this. I'm a top player. Um, but, yeah, so going into this game, you know, the health, some of the, one of the biggest news was Alex Nylander gets the health bomb. He had that lackadaisical performance in game two. Um, Carlton decides to sit him, bring in Perlini, so this kind of goes back to what I was I was talking about in the the Hawks preview episode. Where is this kid's mindset? Was where's it gonna be? How is he gonna take this type of situation? Is he a mental midget that he takes the health the health bomb and he just just never gets back? Or is he gonna take this as motivation to to step it up and to like let's go fucking prove it? Take the, take this more as a warning as, hey, you're not doing what we need you to do. We know you can be this top top tier player. We're giving you every opportunity, but if you're not going to take it, you're not going to play. So I truly am hoping that he takes this as a as a wake up call, steps up and just goes and just doesn't use this as a motivation killer, and we don't start hearing the stories that we heard from Buffalo. Um, so on top of Nylander coming out of the lineup, Cuckoo came out as well. Um, the reason why he came out was uh, Calvin DeHaan was ready to make his Chicago Blackhawk debut. Uh, Robin Liner, Liner also was in the lineup making his Blackhawk debut. Um, so it was a little bit of a different look team. Um, Carlton shifted lines up a lot, um, which I kind of... There's a couple that I just didn't quite understand. Um, he pulled off. He pulled off to uh, bring it from Dylan Strom, which that right there to me made zero sense at all. I feel like to bring it and Strom need to play on the same line at all time. Um, he had to bring it to his Kajula, uh, Shaw, Strom, Kane, Sod, Camp, Kubelik, Smith. Carpenter, Perlini. So I'm glad he kept that Saad, Camp, Kublik line together. Um, just put Dabrinkit, Strom, and Kane together. That's what I want to see, and I think that's what is going to be a huge, huge line for us. Um, who you move up on Dabrinkit's line, on Taze's Taze line? I like Kajula there, um, but I don't know who you place on the right side. Um, so this game started off a little bit a little bit better you know we come off hot um our special teams actually gets the job done for us which 
wow, um, did not think that was going to happen. Um, they get a penalty early on, and Carpenter actually, with some of the best patience I think I've seen on a penalty kill in a while, um, grabs a play, realizes that sees Lion A in front of him is covering the point, caught him flat-footed, just blows right past him, goes a two-on-one with Saad. Saad buries the shorthanded goal um, for his first of the year. It's for a shorthanded goal who also led the team in shorthanded goals last year with three, so he's almost there. Um, but that was such a pretty play. Um, great patience. Carpenter really showing what he was brought in here to do. Um, and that was just to be a penalty of a low line grinder and a solid penalty killer for us. And you know what, if that's what he does and we can get our fucking PK going, I will fucking take it. Um, that same, that same penalty. Um, we had about two other chances. Taves and Kujula went out there. Um, Kujula, you know, walks up, drops it to Taves. Taves with a fucking filth pass to Kajula, and Hellebuck just made a nice pad save on Kajula. That could have easily been 2 nothing on one penalty kill for us. Um, a little bit after that, um, I want to say towards, yeah, so maybe about eight minutes after that, Hots go on the power play. Um, it's a nice little movement. Um, it's definitely still a little bit sloppy, but they, they're they making strides. Um, Siebes made some great um on ice presence or awareness um makes a nice little pass over to keith keith takes the shot um and there's a nice little rebound and steve just sneaks in and just tosses it on that almost like a beer league type goal just fucking close your eyes let it rip and hope to god it goes in and it did um so two things that i never thought would be like um the positive for us is those penalty kill and power play um it was a nice little surprise um, but then obviously then the second period comes around Hots take another penalty and lo and behold, um, they let up a power play goal. Um, that one was just one. I think, uh, Robin Liner wanted, wanted back, um, just a weak shot. He was in the right spot, just snuck on through. Um, but then back to, back to our D just, just not being good again. Um, there was the, um, Andrew Cope goal that I was confused for the Sharks game with Marlowe, but, um, Connor just comes around the, behind the net with the puck, just carrying it and all th- all four guys on the ice instantly just look to the puck, start going for him there, leaves, uh, Cope wide open in front of the net and just nice little tapping goal to tie it up. Um, so just like that, it's our defense blowing it again. There's nothing Liner could have done on that one. Um, game goes to overtime, and it was just um, – I don't even know if it was a good – if he got a piece of it or, you know, if it's just a well-placed shot. Definitely one he would definitely want back. Um, but uh, my overall opinion of his first game in that, I think that – I mean, he looked good. He looked confident. He looked in place. He seemed just really relaxed in there. Um Things I don't really see with, in my opinion, I mean, I'm not a goalie, so I'm sure Poets and Tanner will have another opinion of this, but he just seemed to have this 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 calming nature and was much more, seemed more comfortable in that than Crow did, at least the first two games. Um, I just, I don't know, it's because he really has nothing to lose. Um, he's he's going to get paid regardless, so 
Um, he's got a nice one-year deal. If he can take the net, it's awesome. If not, you know, he's just going to keep putting up those points and prove that uh, he belongs in the net. Um, Perlini comes in for Nylander. He played under under eight minutes. Um, I don't know if this is just me or if this is something else that people notice. I love I love Carlton as a coach. I said the second that he was going to be the coach in waiting the second that he came on, came aboard from Rockford. Um, I just don't know if, if he's being thrown into a situation just right now that he, he isn't ready for, um, or if he just, he just feels that there is this expectation that he's got to win now and he has to, he has to go out there and prove it right off the bat. I just feel that, something's got to give with him and he either just needs to just take a deep breath, relax, um, and, and do what he does. I mean, he's a good coach. I mean, there's no one's arguing that it's just, is he's young, he's inexperienced. He doesn't have NHL level caliber. Um, I think we look, he coached in Sweden, he coached in Rockford. Um, I really hope he works out because this is, he's, he's, he's got a good hockey sense. However, he uh, he just he just needs to I think trust himself a little bit more through the lines and a blunder pretty quickly, um, and I just don't know if he was just throwing what he truly believes is gonna work or he's just trying different combinations, but yeah. So Hawks start the season off. I mean, they finally they get a point, but they are o two and one. Um, yeah, sorry, this really. <laughs> I really just kind of going off of what I saw. I'll give you guys a little, a little recap. Um, wish there was a little bit more give and take. Um, but I would love to hear what you guys think about these games. Um, either put in the comments, um, YouTube, Facebook, tweet us what you think, what you, what, how you feel. Um, I see a lot of people online though are ready to write this season off and 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 just completely blow it up and you know and start fresh. Let me tell you this though. It's 3 games in. Hawks are 0-2 and 1. They been in every single game has been a one-point game. There there is no reason to freak out yet. Everybody knew going in that the de the defense is our weak point and they're just proving it for us. We have to get RD back to the point where we can trust it. I mean, Steves and Keith, you know, I don't know what they have to do or if there's even something that they can do to get better, either take less minutes or, or really just, you know, play a more of a defensive game and don't try to do so much. But Ali Mata is looking good. Heaven Dahan is going to be nice. Um, I would love to see Boquas called up. Um, I just don't know if it's ready. Just the time. Um, you know, we're, this is going to be the first time that our decor is at full strength. Um, I definitely think you got to give it a couple games before you think about bringing up a Boquist. Um, Gustafson is, in my opinion, not looking great. Um, I feel like he, he's all offensive-minded, which, you know, we kind of know that he was a big point getter for us last year. But um, so I guess what I'm trying to say, though, is everybody who's freaking out, take a deep breath, relax, 
we are going to be fine. Um, we are, it's still too early to say, are we going to walk walk into the playoffs? Probably not. I mean, we're going to have to fight. Um, but I know we, that's what we all knew. Nothing was going to be cakewalk, especially in our division. I mean, our division is one of the best divisions in hockey, and we are going to have to battle for it. It's unfortunate that we haven't gotten that first win yet, but you know what? It's going to happen. I can guarantee you that the Hawks will win a game coming up. They are not going to lose uh, the rest of their games. What, 79 games? Just relax. Get off the ledge. Take a deep breath. <sighs> All right. All right. So I think I've uh, rambled enough about Hawks talk for a little bit. Um, so let's send it over to our interview with uh, the one and only Brent Sopel. So today we are joined by a very special guest. He was a member of the 2010 Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks. Um, probably one of the best shot blocking defensemen on that team. Uh, Brent Sopel. Brent, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Great. Feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so let's, uh, yeah, so let's kind of start uh, this kind of early for you. Um, so you're growing up in Canada, you know, um, it's every little Canadian's dream to uh, a professional hockey player. Um, when when was the moment for you that you kind of realized that, that could be a possibly reality for you? You know, it's uh, I don't know when that was. If the if there was ever a uh, a time, you know, uh, I was a, a you know kid. I wasn't overly you know talented. It was a lot of my work ethic, so I always had to you know keep my head down and and just continue to work. So. Um, you know, uh, as long as I did that, I, I was fine. So I, I don't know if there was ever, you know, a, a defining moment. I, you know, I had to kind of, you know, break all odds, you know, all the way through to get to get to where I got. Was it kind of like a once you made it to the show, you're like, oh shit, holy crap, I'm uh, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's and it's, uh, you know, we always say it's, you know, one thing to, you know, to get there, you know, and then it's another to stay there. Absolutely. Well, you you, uh, you got drafted by the the Canucks and uh, made a debut in '99 with uh, some of the guys on that team. Was it was it a little bit intense? Just seeing like the the stars like Naslin and Messier. Yeah, you know it's obviously you know you, you're your first NHL game, and that was here in Chicago. And um, yeah, you know we had obviously Mark Messier on the team. You know, uh, Hall of Famer goes down one of the best captains ever. Um, uh, McGillney, we had some, we had some pretty big names. So, you know, anytime you 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 play your first NHL game, you're uh, you're quite nervous and um, not sure how it's uh, you know going to end up going. But it was, uh, you know, it was just start of some uh, some great things for me. Was uh was there anybody on that team that kind of like uh, took you under their wing, kind of showed you the ropes about being a pro? You know what? Um, all my teams, you know, uh, when I, in Vancouver when I was younger, uh, we had you know, great guys from you know start to finish. That uh, it really took uh, took me under the wing. You know, I played a lot of my time uh, in Vancouver with uh, uh, defense and Matthias Olin, um, by far you know, by far the most skilled and best defense I've ever played with. So uh, you know, I had I had that guy as a partner. We had some veteran guys, uh, Adrian Coyne. You know, he played in Chicago, uh, Murray Perrin, just some guys like that. So it's uh, to get uh, to get uh, any success, you know, in uh, you know in the league, you need uh, you need veteran guys to 
to help you out here, right? you know, through the through the tough times. It's you know, it's the best league in the world. So if you don't have that uh, that help, then uh, you know, forget it. Oh, absolutely. Then uh, you bounced to a, to a couple couple teams, and then went back to Vancouver, and then uh, eventually ended up with uh, our Chicago Blackhawks. Was uh was there anything that you were feeling about that team that was like a little bit special when you first joined, or is there any reason you decided to sign there in general? You know, it, uh, you know, they brought me in, and uh, you know, they, they explained that uh, you know they wanted me to bring in uh, you know some leadership, and you know, bringing you know, you know bringing some graduate presence and teach Kane and Pays how to be a pro and what the NHL is all about and, you know, work with, uh, you know, Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith and continue to get them to evolve their game. So, you know, for me, it was, uh, um, it was a spot where I could, you know, I could help kids grow. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be part of something special and uh, watch all four of them grow into, you know, not only, not only you know, un- unbelievable hockey players, but, uh, you know, great men also. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, so you said your first game was in Chicago and then you come in in 07. Um, the atmosphere there had to be kind of like the same, you know, not a lot of buzz going on. Um, when when um, Kane and Taze came in, did you know right away that you were you're going to be in for a ride, that the, the city is going to get behind this team again? No. Um, you know, it was still, it was still early. You know, it's, uh, they're both uh, you know eighteen and nineteen year old kids, and yeah, you know, obviously there's uh, there were some flashes of uh, of brilliance, but uh, you know, uh, being so young, you never know how you know how it's going. But uh, you know, give them a lot of credit, and um, they got the yeah, every single year, and uh, not only not only them, everybody did. You know, that, the whole group um, got better. You know, each and every year, and uh, you know, matured and. Uh, you know, we're blossoming, you know, at obviously at a perfect time. Oh, yeah. Like, you guys ended up uh, the next season making it pretty decently far in the playoffs and just ended up losing to Detroit. I'm sure that kind of stung a little bit, but did that uh, get a little bit of a Stanley Cup taste in you guys, Malvin, and made you a little bit hungrier for that next season? Yeah, for sure. You know, it, uh, it obviously did sting, but uh... – um, you know, I always say, you know, you, lose, you learn more from your losses than you do your wins. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we definitely get there. You know, we knew that, uh, uh, you know, we were doing some great things. And, you know, we battled hard and we got to that position. You know, give us another year of experience. Um, you know, we, we thought we could uh, do some great things. So, yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, it was obviously a great series. It was a great run. It was a great little uh, uh, toe in the water for, you know, for the whole group. So, yeah, that 2010 team was just – it felt so special because it always seemed like you guys were uh, – no matter the situation, you guys just seemed like you were going to come out with a win. Um, and that kind of goes to, like, my next question here with uh, – when we were talking around about telling people that you are coming on the show, the number one thing everybody asked us to ask you about was um, that game-winning goal, overtime goal in game five uh, against Nashville when, um, you know, you, you come into the zones – play up and then you get the puck over to host up for that game winner um what what was like that adrenaline rush after that well i mean that place had it been going absolutely insane after that oh yeah um it, it was unbelievable you know lift the roof off it was uh it was it was loud um you know uh to the anthems it was loud all the way up to there but uh that took it to another level um 
and that was definitely a t- and then, you know the turning point of uh, of the playoffs for us. You know, we uh, uh, you know we're lucky uh, to get a win out of there, and you know sometimes you gotta be you gotta be lucky, be good, and gotta good be lucky. So um, you know we got a we got a lucky bounce, and um, you know made them pay, and you know found a way to get that uh, OT winner. Yeah, from there, it seemed like you guys were pretty much just like foot on the pedal, just full gas all the way through the rest of the playoffs. You guys kind of just kind of have, have a good feeling in your bones that you're, you're like, this is the year that we're going to take it? Or was it just kind of like you didn't feel that until you actually had that game over in, in that overtime game six in Philadelphia? Yeah, no, you, you, don't, uh, you don't jump to, to any conclusions too quickly. It's uh, obviously a tough trophy to win for a reason. And, um, you know, we had some, some tough teams to beat still. But, uh, you know, we just, uh, we, you know, we got in a zone as a, as a group. Um, you know, moving forward, um, worried about the task at hand, and you know, we knew we had lucky there, but uh, I think that that made us focus, uh, you know, a little bit harder, and uh, you know, t- tackle each game a little bit differently. And uh, once we all got locked in, it was, uh, you know, it was fun to be a part of. Speaking of that, uh, that uh, overtime game six, you know, uh, where were you? Where were you at uh, during that goal? And what were you? What were you thinking when that happened? When that when the puck actually went in and nobody else had had a clue? You know, I I was still on the bench. I think I I was the last one to, to jump the bench. <laughs> you know, being a being an older guy, knowing that, uh, uh, that I knew that was probably going to be the only chance I you know I was going to get. So I didn't want to get too excited. I uh, I kind of climbed over the boards and. Took a couple strides, nothing hard. I'm looking at the bench. I wasn't going to celebrate. wasn't going to do anything until you know, I had a confirmation either way. But, uh, you know, once we uh, got that confirmation, it was, uh, it was go time. Just a, just a little, bit, little bit of disbelief there, huh? It was, uh, it was interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what – so you, you get that cup passed over to you in the celebration. Like, you know, what's kind of going through your mind – um, in that situ- in that moment, well, you know it's uh, it's crazy. You know it's uh, it's something that you dreamt of as a kid uh, your whole life, and um, to have it uh, come to fruition, and especially when it's you know it's a Stanley Cup, and you know Canada obviously is the holy grail. But uh, you know there's there's a lot of great players that never ever get an opportunity to win it, and. Uh, Knowing that I that I wanted and was able to lift it over my head, it's still uh, still special. And uh, yeah, so you definitely um, you probably had one of the coolest moments with the cup. I think um, you know taking the cup down to the the gay pride parade in Chicago. Um, tell us a little bit like how 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 you decided to do that and um, and what was that like for you? Yeah, you know it was uh, it was amazing. I, I you know I think it was I was the first athlete to. Uh, you know, participate in the Pride Parade, but um, you know Brian Burke was uh, was my GM in Vancouver for a number of years, and uh, his son Brendan uh, came out in November uh, saying he was gay, and uh, ended up dying in a car crash. Uh, it was January, February of that year. So, you know, I went, uh, I took it to the Pride Parade. I got permission by the, the Burke family that I could go there, and uh, in honor of, uh, of Brendan. Um, yeah, he was the first uh, anybody in the you know in the hockey world to to, to say you know come public with uh, being gay. So you know I knew the I knew that family um, you know for a long time. So you know 
the fact that I could do something special, uh, you know, for for Brendan and the family. But uh, you know, I'm I'm a type of guy that's uh, you know I like to set trends, not not follow, and um, you know they uh, they deserve what the what they got. Everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are. Everybody deserves deserves uh, uh, rights and freedom, and uh, you know to be a part of it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, real fun day. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen a couple of gay pride parades, and they they are just insane. I can't imagine just having that kind of energy, especially with like having just won the cup as well, and bringing that around, and everybody getting to see that amazing trophy. It's just an awesome experience. I I can only imagine right now. That's that's pretty awesome that you did that, and definitely ahead of the times with uh, with that kind of gesture. Yeah, if you could, uh, you know, anywhere you take the Stanley Cup, uh, no matter what city it is. Uh, <laughs> There's just this vibe that uh, that runs with it that's electric. So, um, yeah, those streets were were hopping for uh, for a long time. Oh yeah. Did you uh, did you attend anybody else's uh, like little cup celebrations, or was that did you just kind of do your own and then just kind of have a nice short summer, pretty much for the for that whole rest of that summer, I guess. Well, you know what? Um, I stayed around here, so yeah, you know, hit some of the trainers. You know, everybody else went uh, went back home, but. Uh, you know, I I had kids that were closer to age than Kane and Taze than than they were to me. So uh, <laughs> I lived I lived a little bit of a different life. So um, like, you know, kids had school and had friends and activities. So you know, I didn't go I didn't go home. So you know, I I, I tend to you know some of them with uh, you know some of the trainers and, and things like that. So we uh so talking about your playing style a little bit. Um, like I said, I think you were probably one of the, the best, hands down one of the best shot blocking defensemen in the league um, in your time. And people, so what kind of like, what, what how do I say this? How do you get the like mindset to like, you know, just lay down in front of some of these absolute missiles that some of these guys put out there? Well, you know, it's uh, my mentality. Is if it was hitting me, I knew, you know, I knew it wasn't going in. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, Older, you know, being later in my career, and um, you know, my first half of my career, I was an offensive defenseman. And when I came to Chicago, um, you know, they told me that I wasn't going to be playing the power play. They wanted me to, you know, direct uh, uh, Dr. Keith and Brent Sieber, teach them on the power play, but uh, I wasn't going to get a lot of time. So I knew I had to reinvent myself. Meaning, if I wanted to stay in the league for a few more years, you know, I couldn't count on that. So uh, after that meeting with the coaches, and you know, I just decided to. You know, um, turn into uh, you know the defensive defenseman, and um, you know blocking shots is is one of those roles. And you know, I, I took it on. You know, it uh, allowed me to uh, win a Stanley Cup. Allowed me to play you know three extra years. And you know, I I enjoy pain, so uh, it's really no big deal. <laughs> I was gonna say, is there anybody that like you'd see winding up, and you thought maybe to yourself. Um, maybe maybe I just kind of stand up for this one and uh, don't don't go down to India or anything here. Yeah, you know it's uh, you know it's uh, as as time goes on, you you know uh, you want to play the game as long as you can, and um, you know we knew had some something special, so you had to you had to figure out what your role was, and you know that's what uh, my role was was, and like I said. I knew if I was blocking that shot and it was a break of my, you know, one of my bones, I knew it wasn't going in the net. Definitely. So, all right. So our, uh, our little uh, mutual friend, 
um, mentioned that we should. We should uh, <laughs> he already knows where this is going. <laughs> he uh, he told us the, that we should ask you uh, about your uh, couple seasons in uh, in the KHL. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was over in Russia for three years. Uh, you know, I, I I really enjoyed it. You know, which uh, not many people get to spend. Um, you know, three years in uh, Eastern Europe, and we were in uh, in or out of. Uh, 10, 12 countries, something like that. Sweden, Switzerland, Finland, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Latvia, uh, Minsk, you know, just places that, uh, you know, you look on the map, but you, you, you know, for the most part, nobody's ever going to go there. And, uh, a lot of cultures, and, but, you know, it's got some great hockey, uh, you know, it gets Olympic sized ice. So, it was, you know, guys like Tarasenko and Kovalchuk and Panera, and I, you know, I played against. So, there's some great skill over there. Um, you know, again, you know, it's Russia, so there was a lot of crazy things. Did a lot of crazy things, and you know, I'm lucky to still be here to tell them. <laughs> was uh, was it kind of hard to adjust to like uh, to the game out there? Um, I know, like you said, the the ice is a whole different size. Um, was there any major major adjustments for you? Yeah, you know what? For me, it was. Uh, um, I'm, you know, I was always voted the ugliest and, and the slowest. So you, know, you put me on the you put me on the big rank. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different game. You know, there's really no hitting over there because the ice surface is, you know, is just so big. So um, it took me a little while to um, to figure out how I had to play. And you know, it definitely wasn't uh, um, my bread and butter. That you know, playing there and uh, what skill I didn't have skill. So. Um, Definitely doesn't wasn't wasn't exactly, but you know, like I said, I uh, I found a way to play there for three years, and uh, you had a lot of fun. Did you got uh, any uh, funny or interesting stories from being over there? Anything you can, you can tell, or you're not afraid of like Putin getting at you? Well, you know, it's uh, it, it's it, you know, it's a different you know, it's a different way of life. Um, you know, training camp there was uh, was eight weeks, and you know, we're doing. Uh, we were doing two days, uh, you know, on the ice, uh, two days and, uh, lifting and, you know, with the workout in between, it's, uh, completely different mentality. And, you know, their mentality is, uh, uh, you know, quantity, not quality, uh, in the way that, you know, in the NHL here, it's, uh, it's quality, not quantity. So it was, it was, uh, you know, completely different mindsets of, uh, how to work and, uh, how, you know, what they expected out of you and, you know, 10K, you know, 10K runs and, you know, this, this is not a running body. So, um, <laughs> this is, uh, this is sit on the bike, ride the bike body, not, <laughs> not a running body. So, um, you know, was, you know, there's a lot of different things, you know, you get to, uh, Moscow, which makes New York City look like a suburb. And, you know, I was, uh, I was in Russia when, uh, when that plane crash went down in locomotives oh, in Yaroslava. I was sitting in the Moscow airport at that point in time too. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, I think about that all the time. Um, you know, those guys that I knew personally on there, and, you know, um, everybody else that was, I was affected by, I was sitting right in, the, in uh, Moscow airport and, uh, right when it went down. Yeah. Jeez. That's gotta be, that's, that's, that's crazy. I remember that too. It's a, it's a hard day for every, every hockey fan out there. Um, while you while you were in Russia, though, did you have your family over here at home still, or did you have them in Russia with you? No, I, I went there by myself. You know, while my kids were were in school, and you know, so 
Um, when I went there, I was there for, for nine months at a time. And, uh, yeah, like it was, it was tough being from being away from the family, but you know, I squeaked three, three extra years in my career out and got to say I played over in the KHL and, uh, got to, got to learn a lot about, uh, different cultures and, uh, met, you know, met some great people. And yeah, I got, uh, you know, one of my best friends still I talk to, you know, weekly from there. That's awesome. And then, so, so after the KHL, you, you got one more, uh, one more year out of uh, professional hockey. You came back to Chicago and played for the Wolves. Um, what was so? What what was it about Chicago that kind of like keeps bringing you bringing you back out here? And, you know, you, you you settle down out here. Um, you know, what about what what makes the city so special? Well, it's uh, you know, it's got nothing to do with the city. At some point, times your kids tell, kids tell you where you're gonna go. They they run your life. Um, like I said, my kids were my kids were older, and uh, you know they moved a lot. And then you know once they start hitting middle school and you know staring high school down down the barrel, you've got to do what you got to do for your kids. So uh, they end up dictating where you know what you're going to do and where you're going to be. So that's kind of how we end up here, you know, staying here in Chicago. Um, but you know, for me to come back for the Wolves was, you know, I wanted to play my thousandth uh, professional game here in North America. Um, so that's when you know, I came back here, played my thousandth game, and then retired a few days later. Oh, that's awesome. Not a, not a bad send-off. I mean, I guess uh, having your family dictate where you're going to be living in Chicago is pretty – not a bad place to, for that to happen either, though. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it could be a lot worse. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I live uh, in, in one of the cities in Russia. I was in the middle of Siberia, so uh, <laughs> it wasn't there. Uh, it definitely were worse places for sure. So uh, after all that, it uh, what do you what you been up to lately? Uh, I know we hear that you got a Brent Sobel Foundation. Do you want to talk a little bit about that with us? Maybe let our yeah. listeners know a little bit more about what you got going on there. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's uh, that's my number one. Uh, you know, I started the Brent Sobel Foundation uh, for dyslexia uh, a couple of years ago. You know, I found out ten years ago that uh, uh, I had dyslexia, so I went through school. Um, Reading in uh, at a grade four level in high school, um, my education probably doesn't take me past to, you know past grade eight. So, you know, I started the foundation to to advocate for you know everybody else who who has dyslexia. It's uh, it's one in five and it's hereditary. You know, it's not it's not talked about. Nobody has um, much clue about uh, what it is. Everybody just thinks it's you're flipping your B's and D's, but that's uh, that's far from the case. So. You know, I spend a lot of time um, with that, talking to people around the world, um, advocating, you know, helping uh, helping parents, helping kids any way I can. You know, if I can keep one kid, um, you know, from feeling the way I do every single day, then, uh, you know, that's a great thing. Uh, do you have anything coming up for the, uh, like, events-wise for the foundation at all that you want to let people know about? Well, well on, Wednesday, we, on uh, Wednesday, I've got uh, my celebrity golf uh, golf tournament. Yeah, uh, in Lamont and uh, Ruffle Feathers. So we got uh, uh, Dennis Quaid, uh, Shooter McGavin. Uh, so we got uh, we got some some good celebrities out there. Um, should be a, should a lot, should be a lot of fun. Hopefully that uh, Mother Nature is uh, is good to us and and stays uh, stays nice. But uh, we'll, we'll 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 see what she's got in store for us. <laughs> Um, so where where can uh where where can people go to find more information about your foundation and um is there like a way for them to like possibly like you know donate or 
you know, volunteer or anything like that? Yeah, you know, you can go to that. Uh, my web web page is uh, brentsopalfoundation.org, and um, you know, there's you can donate on there. You can you can email, you can ask questions about dyslexia. So uh, you know, go there and uh, you can get more information about dyslexia. You can uh, you can do a lot of things. Uh, you can donate, which is which would be greatly appreciated. Uh, you know, everything all this money goes to training teachers uh, in Wilson Reading, which is a way to to teach kids with dyslexia. So. Um, you know, if anybody wants to donate, uh, like I said, greatly appreciate Want to have more information, you know, go to principalfoundation.org uh, and uh, find it. Yeah, and uh, we will definitely, uh, when we post this up, we will definitely make sure that we include all links to the site and uh, give any details that we possibly can for, uh, for our listeners to uh, go check it out. Yeah, um, uh, that'd be great. Yeah. So, um, you know what, thank you so much for, you know, calling in, you know, we really appreciate it. Um, we love getting an opportunity to talk to, um, former Hawks, you know, we, we lead this team. Um, so it's, it's really great hearing like, you know, your stories about, you know, especially the cup years. We got one last question for you that we pretty much ask everybody too. Um, is there a favorite hockey memory for you that really stands out, whether it was for you playing or maybe watching the game as a kid or anything that happened throughout your hockey career that just really stands out and something you'll never forget that you cherish forever? Well, you know, there, you know, obviously you win the cup, you never yeah. forget that. <laughs> you, know, you, never, you never forget, the, you know, your first game, you know, my first goal. Um, I ended up scoring. Uh, it was a end up being a one-one tie, but it was my third game in the league, and it was hockey night in Canada, in uh, in Vancouver. First game that my parents got to see see live, and it was you know it was uh, broadcast right across Canada. So uh, you know that one's pretty special. Oh, definitely. Well, um, thank you so much again, Brent, uh, for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it. And um, do us a favor. Uh, don't let Vito's head get too big. Um, don't. Oh, that's, that's, that's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't don't feed him the the calling him a beauty or anything like that. Uh, don't let him know about that. <laughs> all right well uh, thank you so much again and um yeah we will uh make sure to let everybody know about your foundation and you know hopefully we'll uh we'll get behind that for you for sure i appreciate it thanks guys all right thanks again to brent sopel for calling in with us uh, we really appreciate it um so yeah he's got it. it's an absolutely incredible story especially with um his dyslexia foundation um if you want to learn more about uh his foundation um look up for upcoming events or even donate um visit brentsopelfoundation.org for all the info on all of that um yeah so usually this would be a time where we talk uh some little nhl talk um I'm not going to go too much into it, um, but, you know, there's a couple things that I didn't notice, um, and since I don't have anybody here to stop me, we're going to talk about Phil Kessel. Phil the fucking Thrill Kessel, baby. Um, just played in his 1,000th NHL game this past Saturday. Oh, man, the definition of perfection, Brent Sobler, <laughs> Phil Kessel, like, let's go. Um so he's played a thousand NHL games. He is the third youngest player to do that at the age of 32. Um, and what's even more amazing is of those thousand, um, 778 of them have been consecutively played. So he has played 
in every single game for I don't know what how many seasons that is. Whatever, it's a lot. But this guy gets the worst rap. Uh, I think of a lot of players in the league, um, just by his appearance um, and his attitude. That I think is more built upon the media from being in those big markets. I think Toronto really absolutely kind of did him dirty with his um his media personality and all that kind of stuff but you know thousand games for phil kessel that's that's a fucking accomplishment at 32 years old especially after everything he's gone through with uh with the cancer and all that kind of stuff so phil uh congratulations i know you are definitely not listening to this but um you're the one of a kind bud um, so another one, one more thing to kind of talk about before, uh, before we, uh, close off here. Um, some interesting, looking at the standings, there's some interesting teams that, um, <laughs> nobody probably would have, uh, expected coming in, um, as of recording this at Sunday around five thirty, So before the Sunday games even started, um, you're looking at an Euler and Hurricane team that are tied for the best record in the NHL. Oilers are five and zero. Hurricanes are five and one. Is this finally the year for the Oilers to kind of you know make us make their jump? Um, big start with that. Real deal. James Neal comes in. Um, everybody kind of rid him off because of his season last year, only scoring seven goals uh, for the Flames, but. If you look at him now, through five games, he has already scored seven goals. So um, I think it's a safe to say who won that trade between the Lucic and James Neal move. Um, another surprise team. I don't know. I don't even know if it's considered to be a surprise team. Um, they have the talent to do it. I just don't think anybody believed that they were going to follow up last year with it. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes five and one. Um, this team is doing great. Um, they were undefeated up until uh, the 12th, which was yesterday, so Saturday. Um, lost to Columbus, who was exactly what we thought they were going to be. But, yeah, so uh, Hurricanes looking good. Buffalo 4-0-1. Um, Colorado 4-0. Anaheim 4-1. And Winnipeg 4-2. Um, a bunch of teams that... I don't know if it's just because they don't they don't have a lot of expectations on them, so they got really nothing to lose, so they can just go all out and make sure um, have fun or what. But um, hockey's weird, and I fucking love it. And if the first like week and a half of the season is gonna be any indication how this year is gonna go, I think we're in for a very fun year. Um, yeah. Other than that, I uh, I will cut this short. Um, thanks again for putting up with me by myself. Um, if you guys truly hate this, um, please let Pouts, Tanner, and Noli know to make sure that they, um, come back on next time. Um, and if you like it, give us a like on YouTube, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be posting all of our episodes there. Um, if you're not already subscribed to us on iTunes or Apple Spotify or Apple, Apple podcast or Spotify, please do that. Um, that way you'll get notification um, on all of our episodes posted and they will be right there ready for you to listen when you open the app. Um, and if you enjoy what you hear, if you don't enjoy what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcast and Facebook. Um, let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, the more reviews you guys give us, the better um, we can make the show. So we really appreciate it. Um, 
always you can leave us some writing pine questions as well we really hope to uh to get that back up uh very soon you can do that by sliding to our dms on instagram twitter uh, message us on facebook um send us an email if you have it text us if you have our number um but if you don't have our number and you want to call or text us and leave a voicemail send us a text with a question um, our phone number for that is 708-942-4829. Um, again, these can be hockey questions. They can be Blackhawk questions. Be hypotheticals. Um, we can do games of uh, sign, trade, buyout, name three players that you would want to hear what we think. Um, you need some life advice. You know, our lives are um, absolute garbage. So, you know, <laughs> you know, we might be able to help you out too. Um, anyway, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's uh, see how this goes. Uh, Hawks play the Oilers tomorrow, and I'm lucky enough to be attending that game and see McJesus in person for the first time. Um, So until then, for myself and hopefully a Pots, Tanner, and Noli, they're doing well. Um, Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Follow the boys on Twitter at WCB Podcast, on Instagram at WCB Podcast, and like them on Facebook, the Windy City Benders Podcast.